Hey everybody, welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode number 98. We're doing it live again as we're going to be doing probably for the rest of this season because it's just convenient and because COVID is making us do it. Uh, Aaron, 98, dude. How you doing? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. 98, man. We're close to that 100 mark, which is nuts. Absolutely nuts. have to, have to try to think of something special to do for that 100th episode. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe get a, the shark's win would be nice, I think. Maybe, uh, maybe someone can put something in the comments of what we should do for... Number 100. How about that? Write that down. We'll do that for roll call. I love it. So uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the two games uh, that happened this week so far. Both games, obviously, against Arizona in Arizona. The first game, uh, not too shabby. I mean, see, the thing I want to bring up before we even go and talk about the games is the amount of kind of, I don't know, hatred (laughs) that I'm seeing already this season uh, for the Sharks, the new coaching staff, and uh, a lot of the returning players and some of the newer ones as well. Um, I just want to remind everybody, and Kevin Kurz did this too, that we're talking about a team that has some you know, newer, younger players on the team. I think there was three 22-year-olds. We're talking about a team that has a new head coach with brand new assistant coaches uh, or associate coaches, I guess. Randy Hahn made that blunder today as well. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't have a uh, preseason. They didn't have much of a training camp. Two weeks really is all they had. And it's in, implementing in a brand new system. So um, I just see a lot of the... I don't know, angst, I guess, from the San Jose Shark fan base. And I get that. You know, it's been a long time since we've had hockey and you want to have your team jump back in and be something to brag about. But I think everybody kind of understands this roster isn't really a Stanley Cup winning roster. We're kind of along for the ride right now. But I think the way that the fans react, those same fans who have that expectation and say that the roster is not very good are also saying that, gosh, they're terrible. So I don't know. It just, it just seems like it's a little much uh, out of game two. Um, kind of your thoughts on that, Aaron. Where do, where do you want to go with that? Yeah, I mean, this team, I don't think the expectations were high for them to be a Stanley Cup winning team. Um, I kind of laughed today because I tweeted something about how I was happy with the way that they're playing. Obviously, I mean, this was before they started losing the game today, but I was like, at least I like what I see. I like the new kind of system and the style of play. There's a lot more speed. There's a lot more urgency. Uh, They're not as predictable as they used to be. So I feel like um, they look like a better, stronger, faster team than they were last year. Um, Part of that is probably just shaking, you know, getting into the new system and shaking old habits and doing that. Plus, 10 months off and they're coming back with no preseason games. Um, It's a lot different than practice games. Now, I'm not excusing everything because there was a lot of stuff that needs to get cleaned up but at the same time on twitter today someone i I tweeted that right like hey i like how they look and all that and they go well it's against the worst team in the division or one of the worst teams i'm like man you can't even catch a break like just relax like i was like just enjoy the games like they're fun to watch and then he came back saying like uh like oh they're not fun to watch after they fired the best coach and i'm like okay i'm done i can't handle the hate it's the second game of the season. Like, relax. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but what I'm more excited about is because it's such a young team, it is like almost a transition year of the younger guys kind of stepping up and taking bigger roles. And uh, they're the experience that they're getting this season, and hopefully, I'm still hopeful. I'm still um, – I don't know if hopeful is the right word. I think this team could put it together to get that fourth playoff spot in the division. And I think that would do wonders for the team – down the road next season, not this season, but at the same time, you never know. If you get to the dance, you have a chance, right? I think that's one of our sayings that we always have on the show. So 
Um, there is a chance, I guess, that if there's a chance at the cup, obviously, if they make it to the dance. So um, I'm not that pessimistic on this team as much of, as others. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that that for me is kind of the goal, right? I, I imagine we're going to lose a lot of games uh, this season as well. And I imagine, you know, there's going to be some sloppy play. But uh, for me, it's, you know, I, I'm taking that with the understanding that that's probably going to be the case. We're not going to win every game. I get that. We may not even win the majority of games, like, you know, 75% or whatever it is. I mean, that, that'd be a really good team. If we got close to 500 and we were knocking on the door, um, you know, with maybe at the trade deadline, I'd be pretty happy with where the team's at. Uh, you know, they've got some big names on the roster, yes, and they should be a much better team with those names uh, producing. But all things considered, again, you can't be part of the fan base saying this team is horrible and they're they're bad and – and then expecting them to to play extremely well at the same time. So I don't know. For for me, it's uh I think it just you know calm it down a little bit, guys. We're uh, we're two games in, and um you know I think it was it uh, somebody wins. I'm going to use my my glasses here because it's hard to see dark here. Isaiah, oh, man, look at you, old man. Exactly. Two games in, and people are giving up. And he says over here that uh you know tired of Jones hate. Okay, that's fair enough. We'll get to that in a bit. People need to focus on the atrocious faceoffs, which we will do that. Uh, after the first portion of this. But let's talk about game one because that was kind of a bright spot there, I think. Um, game one, I think Martin Jones looked pretty sharp. I think a lot of people were looking at him going, whoa, okay, he might have turned a page. Even Kevin Kurz had wrote an article. That I think the title of it was something like, is this a brand new Jones? And I think that was uh, fair and safe to say. Yeah, I think Jones you know, looked a lot more comfortable. I think Scott Hannon kept saying he just seemed so much tighter in, in, uh, in net. So... Um, I think it was good things for Martin Jones uh, for for that game at least. We'll get to the second game in just a bit, uh, but he looked a lot better, Aaron. Yeah, I thought he looked a lot more sharp. I mean, two goals in the last was it four minutes or something like that to tie up the game. I, that last one for sure is not his fault. They, those guys should have been cleared out in front of the net, and Phil Kessel got lucky with a puck pretty much right in front of him on his stick. He batted it out and put it in the net to tie the game with three seconds left. Jones deserved to win, um, and. I'm sure we'll talk about this in the comments. That that save in overtime, an, a two on zero save, like that's ridiculous. I saw that coming. You could see it coming, and you're like, oh no, this is it. This is the end. The Sharks are just gonna blow this game. There goes a regulation overtime win to uh, to Arizona, someone that you, obviously every game is gonna be against the division, so you need these points. And um, he came up with a save, and I'm glad the Sharks hustled back uh, to get the rebound, you know, not, not go, ah, uh, they're going to score. And then they miss and then they get the puck back and it's still a two on O. So, uh, in fact, the sharks came back, I think the other way and had a good scoring chance. They didn't score obviously, but, um, that would have been crazy, you know, like to have that incredible two on O save. And it's, it looks even better when you watch it on the replay in slow-mo, how quickly he gets across from one side of the goal to the other. I mean, just watching him do that. I, I pulled my groin just, it was in so much pain. It's like, I can't, there's no way I could stretch across like that. That's incredible. It's it's a very athletic move, um, especially doing it on ice. So uh, hats off to him. I thought he played well. I thought he, sh- he deserved to have better numbers than what showed up because his save percentage ended up being 919, which I feel like should have been higher. I mean, if he didn't give up that goal um, at the last second, that would have been a much better save percentage, much better goals against average, uh, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, and, and to that point, the, to that point about clearing the crease, that was kind of what had them blowing that lead is, uh, you know, people, oh, same old Martin Jones letting the goal in with three points. Guys, if you take a look at it, and and most times you don't hear me being too critical of Eric Carlson. Like, I understand he's a phenomenal skater, and, and 
one of those very good heads up passers. He's very elusive with the puck. I, 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 I'm not on the, I hate Eric Carlson train, right? Uh, at the same time, he was kind of just standing there, and I noticed, uh, like, watching him a little bit more, um, he does kind of stand around, uh, it seems like, at times, and that was just one of them. I think he could, maybe could have tied up a stick, but he was in the right spot, just not doing the right thing, I think. So um, definitely would like to see a little bit more effort out of uh, Eric Carlson on a play like that. Um, it, it just seems like he's very lackadaisical out there. Like he knows he's a good skater and he knows if he gets the puck, he's going to be able to glide through people. Uh, but when he doesn't have the puck, it seems like he's just kind of gliding sometimes. And that was true for uh, game two as well, which again, we'll, we'll get back to in just a second here. But um, I would have really liked to see him tie that stick up or make a, a more – I don't know, drastic effort uh, to prevent that uh, from going in. So again, there's some things, you know, Martin Jones can maybe do a little bit better, but again, it comes down to the defense around them. Sometimes they just need to pick it up. And if you don't, well, you're kind of leaving your goalie out to dry. I don't care who it is. It could be Dubnik, could be Dell. It could be, um, you know, Martin Jones. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I, definitely some things that could uh, happen better in the defensive zone. And it's kind of echoing the same sentiments that we had last season. So you know, I know Bugner has kind of implemented that new system, and I'm sure guys are still kind of acclimating to it. So hopefully that gets better. It, I mean, it can only get better from the season, hopefully. Uh, I mean, it can't get worse. Please don't get worse, right? So um, anyway, your, your thoughts really on the uh, blown two-goal lead. Was it really something that maybe Jones could have prevented, or is this another one of those breakdown of defenses? Uh, definitely the breakdown of defense. I mean, the Sharks – the good thing, the good news about this breakdown, I guess, is um, it's learnable. It's a teachable moment that the coaches can sit down and break down the video and go, okay, this is what you need to do next time. So hopefully these problems will be solved within the next week or two. Um, these guys are, are getting into, I want to say, call it game shape. It's a lot different than when you're playing practice um, against your own teammates. When you're playing games against other guys, other, other teams that – um, the speed is a lot different. Everything's a lot different. It gets a little nastier, especially when you're playing these two game series and you see the same guys uh, two nights in a row or, you know, every other night, it gets chippier kind of like the playoffs. Cause you're, you're sick of this guys. You're kind of like, you know, you want to not hurt them, but you want to make them feel it the next day. So Curtis Brown had a great point after the first game when they tied that goal up. Um, I think it might've been before overtime or maybe after the game, how there's no way that those guys should have been even on the ice. Uh, you got three seconds left to go. You take a penalty. I mean, you just you cross check the heck out of the guy. You make sure they're flat on their butts and not getting that puck. Because if you take a penalty with three seconds left, what's the worst that could happen is they get a face off, right? That the puck's the puck even further away than where it is currently. Just take those guys out, trip them up, sweep the deck, get them out of there. You know, absolutely clear that crease. And I think the Sharks need to do a better job. <laughs> what? When you said sweep the deck, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say sweep the leg. <laughs> oh, well, that too. Well, whatever. Just clear out that crease in front. Um, I don't think the Sharks do a good job of boxing out the other team. Uh, we saw it again today in, in today's game. I thought they uh, should have done a, a better job. Maybe not so much take a penalty, but definitely make it be known that this is not your space and you need to get out of here. Um, and, and that would have saved, you know, that would have gave them a regulation win. And would have gave Arizona zero points instead of giving him one in the shootout. So I was very upset about that. That's, that's like, to me, it's common sense. That's, that's hockey knowledge there that you should have um, that those players should have known. Clock management kind of thing, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, and sometimes it's okay to take a penalty, uh, and that would have definitely been one of those times. But, hey, the Sharks do come away with two points. They give one up to uh, the Arizona Coyotes. But um, anytime you can walk away with two, um, be happy with the effort. Be happy that you've got some points in the bank. So um, we take a look at the guys that scored. Tomas Hurl potted two of them. Uh, and then Evander Kane, oh, my goodness, yeah. um, that goal. Such a power he used, move. He used his strength. He used his speed. And it's not every day you get a player that has both like that. And he's one of those guys that has both. He, he can blow you away. And if he doesn't, he can push you away. And um, you, you saw, I think it was Chikrin, um, had his hand on, uh, on Kane's side. And if you take a look at the replay, you'll actually see in the background, the referee actually has his hand up. There's a penalty there on that play. So um, he just powered his way past him, and then he makes a nice little move, pull back, goes top shelf, um, short side on him. And gosh, I mean, just – I mean, what more can you say about a move like that? That's the type of thing that Evander Kane can bring. And all of the speculation about will he be able to play – I mean, we did, we did the same thing. You know, is this going to affect his play? Blah, 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 right? We try not to get into the personal life. We try to keep it on the ice. But as, you know, the guys in the booth even said uh, – or in the studio, I should say – you know, he answered that question right away in game one. Came out, uh, I think he had uh, both assists on the hurdles goals, and then he had the goal himself. So uh, phenomenal job by Kane stepping up, uh, doing what he needs to do and showing that, you know, he's he's ready for this season. So um, hats off to him. Your thoughts? Yeah, Kane absolutely was a beast in that game. I thought him and Martin Jones are probably the two best players. Hurdle, definitely right up there with him. I thought Hurdle had a very strong game. I mean, obviously he had two goals, and he had a couple more chances he could have gotten the hat trick. Um, I think Hurdle, it was great for Hurdle to see because that's the first game he had played in over a year, close to a year since he blew out his knee in in uh, January, I think, last year. I can't remember the exact date. So uh, good on him to to come back and strengthen up his leg, and and that's not easy to come back to. Um, and But Kane, going back to Kane, that power move is unreal. Not just the speed and the power, but also the skill because he lifted that. Didn't he lift it up on – on his forehand so um it was a beautiful like that's a highlight real cool that might be goal of the year in the first game of the season think about it that way <laughs> uh but uh i thought i thought tomas Hurdle was very happy with him i was kind of a little um i don't want to say disappointed but coach sure needed to do a little bit more out there i think um so what i mean what they were talking about was that hurt was it hurdle kane and uh leonard that's the line right the first game they were dominant they looked great. Today's game, I think it switched a little bit towards Couture's line. He was a little bit more dominant, I think, than the hurdle line. Um, and it's interesting to see because the Sharks had changed up their lineup a little bit. They switched a few of the guys from game one to game two. Um, and I think Arizona rolled out the exact same team. I don't think they made one ch- other than their goalie. They played Ranta instead of uh, Kemper, and I think that was the only change they made. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll get into the goalies in a minute. But um, I want to bring yeah. up. A couple comments here. First, uh, <laughs> I was going to read the other one by Anthony Sanchez, but I'm going to read this one too. The shoe is clocked and ready to be thrown. Okay. Don't worry, Anthony. I don't think we're going to go there tonight. It's just happening in the comments right now. So just don't read them out loud. You should be okay. Uh, the other one by Anthony Sanchez, though, I'm judging these two games like a preseason game. And I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Unfortunately, the points do matter now. So it's, uh, it's not quite like a preseason game, but um, yeah, no, I could definitely see how one might look at it in that way that the, the team is still learning. Again, there wasn't much of a training camp. There wasn't much of an opportunity to get these guys acclimated to the system prior to. So I could definitely see how one might look at it that way. Unfortunately, again, 
the points uh, do count. So there was that one. And then right above Anthony Sanchez's comment there, Nicholas Egan, well, at least we're not the Kings who gave up the tying goal with one second left tonight and lost it in OT. See, it could be worse, guys. Gave up the the, the tying goal with 3.2 seconds left, and then we won it. So uh, hey, Did you see what happened yesterday uh, with St. Louis? Oh, the 8 nothing. 8 nothing. That's that's a beating, man. Here's the problem with that. I know. They're our next opponent. It's in my notes. We'll get to that. Don't worry about it. Okay, let's talk about game two then. Are we good to go move on to game two? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. Okay, so game two, same opponent. I kind of like this little back-to-back format. The uh, Not back-to-back games necessarily, but uh, the opponent, same opponent. It's very baseball-esque, and uh, I, I kind of like it. You know, it's uh gives an opportunity for you to build that little tiny rivalry and then move on. Uh, and, of course, because everything's divisional, uh, you, you certainly get to see, play all those teams over and over again throughout the course of the season anyway. But just having them, you know, one game after the other, I think there's just some extra animosity uh, that can happen there. Now, the Sharks won't be playing the Coyotes until much later on in the season, unfortunately. But um, just, again, that one game and then the next game you see the same guys that maybe you're a little peeved at. Um, not not so bad. I kind of like that format. In any case, uh, Sharks get the power play goal early. Yeah, Donato got on the score sheet for the first time as a Shark. Awesome tip. That was a, a, a kind of a weird one by Timo. I noticed Timo does this a lot. He gets his back to the net, maybe on his backhand sometimes, and then he kind of wheels around. In this case, it wasn't on his backhand, but he just wheels it around to his forehand side and then fires it at the net. Um, it's almost like a blind shot. Like he's just kind of guessing. Um, but in this case, it happened to work out. Donato was there, uh, got a little stick on the puck there, fluttered in. So, you know, congrats to Ryan Donato on uh, getting your first goal there kind of silencing some of the critics. Uh, I thought he played phenomenal tonight. I think he was uh, he was probably the Sharks, one of the Sharks' best players tonight. He was up and down the ice uh, in both zones, working hard, turning those legs, creating opportunities. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I'm happy to see uh, he's doing fairly well so far early on. I'm glad to see him get a goal, too. I mean, that would really hurt if he was struggling to get his first Sharks goal. At least he got out of the way early. Uh, it was a nice tip, like you said, on the power play. And it was also early. It was only, uh, what, three – Four minutes into the game, uh, let's see that. Whoops, that's the wrong game. Uh, Three thirty-four in the first, so it was early. It was good for the Sharks to get on the scoreboard early. Um, the, in the first game, the Sharks had the lead the whole time until uh, Arizona tied it. Arizona never led that game. Uh, this game, the opposite happened. The Sharks got the lead, and then the Coyotes scored two goals and kind of quick together. Uh, it was twelve and a half in, and then fourteen forty. So two minutes and ten seconds later, they got two goals. Um, but the good thing that I like to see is the Sharks responded in less than a minute after they went up two to one, the Sharks tied it two to two. So it's good to see them battle back and tie it up going into the second period. Now the rest of the game, uh, the second period, the, the Coyotes went up two more goals and then they scored another one early in the third. That was kind of the dagger. I thought the Sharks are going to at least pressure and get some chances and, and come back early in the third, but it was not to be. So, um, but again, at least at the end there, Carl, was it Hurdle? Hurdle got another power play goal. So two power play goals and a regular uh, five-on-five goal. But um, I don't know. I was, I was kind of happy to see them, at least in the first period, battle back and tie that game up pretty quickly. That made me feel like it was a different Sharks, not just rolling over like last season. Um, so there's a little more fight to them, I think, than, than before. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think uh, it was definitely nice them just bouncing straight back and going straight for it. Um, there was a point in the game Bugner had said, or uh, Randy had said that Bugner got a little animated on the bench. 
and uh, the team looked like they responded after that, uh, we'll call it tongue lashing, I guess. That next shift, uh, they jumped back out there and looked like they were they were hustling pretty hard. So um, good to see that because this was something that we had talked about with last season when Bob or no, sorry when Bob Uner took over and Pete DeBoer got uh, let go was that the Sharks maybe had kind of lost Pete DeBoer's voice, if you will. In other words, he, his voice wasn't kind of commanding them anymore, right? <laughs> it just wasn't getting through. So um, to hear that he had kind of got on their case in the middle of the game right on the bench there and they responded to it, it kind of tells me that uh, Bob Bugner does have the team's respect right now and he does have kind of the locker room, if you will, like they're listening to him. So um, – I mean, all good things there now could just be a case of, you know, some of the younger guys uh, just, you know, don't know him that well and are just like, okay, we better step it up, you know. Um, They're still fighting for their positions too, right? So um, that could just be the case. But, again, for me, it's it's good seeing that there is a response uh, to his urgent call for it. So uh, happy to see that, uh, happy with the way that they were able to respond in those key moments, not happy with the overall game, of course, could have been a lot better. And one of the areas that they really could have been better in was face-offs. Uh, apart from Patrick Marlowe, who I think was 80% in the face-off dot, four out of five, everyone else was less than 50% in the face-off dot. Now, take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because I think three of them were one for three that's 33%. If they win one of those, all of a sudden it jumps to 66%. So it, the, the sample size is very small. But again, those guys did not win uh, more than half of those faceoffs, even if it was only the three. So um, beyond Patrick Marlowe, again, I think Logan Couture was next in line at 45%, probably like five for 11. I can't do math. Um, but it's it just the faceoffs need to be a lot better. They got a couple goals, I think. It was, I think it was two goals right off the of faceoffs. And, um, you know, when, when the goalie screen like that, again, I don't care who it is, you're making it very difficult for him to make that save. So winning faceoffs is a big deal. And like Bob Bugner had said uh, during the press conference, it's not just the guy in the faceoff dot, it's the guys around him. If they lose that draw, you guys got to hustle to that puck. You guys got to hustle to your positions. You got to take the man. You got to take the stick. You got to get the rebound. You know, all those things. And when it's not all coming together like that, that's kind of the result that you're going to get. Yeah, faceoffs are going to be a big deal, and I think part of that is because we have a younger team. We don't have a lot of established faceoff guys. Now, Couture and Hurdle are probably going to take the majority of them. Kane might have to step in or Meyer have to step in if they get tossed or something, but um, those guys should be better than where they are, and I'm sure they know it. Now, this is something that I can see Handemark making, making the lineup in maybe the next week to see it on the fourth-line center, um, maybe even third line center, depending on how he plays. But he was what the faceoff king in in the league that he came from was. It, I'm gonna say Sweden. It's probably wrong. I think that's where he was before. Uh, that always gets me in trouble. Sweden, Switzerland. I don't know. One of those. One of those places. Uh, but anyway, he. Um, that's what he's kind of known for. And that, I was kind of excited about him just for that reason alone. Is just to win faceoffs, especially if he's gonna be your penalty killer and you can win that faceoff. That that saves your penalty killer so much energy. Uh, and kills a lot more penalties. So, um, I mean, not having Joe Thornton take any faceoffs anymore, he used to be really good at it. Uh, he's gone this year, which he scored his first goal tonight. I don't know if you saw that as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Kind of happy and kind of sad about it, but awesome. Good for him to keep scoring. I mean, I, I love it. He celebrates every goal like it's his last because it just might be. <laughs> you know, think about it that way, right? You don't know how many goals you're going to score, so you got to celebrate, especially when you know this is going to be the end of your career in the NHL. And the funny thing is, like, he scored his first goal as a Leaf, yes, but it was also his first point, which is unorthodox for Joe, 
you would mm. think his first 10 points would be assists. So, uh, Joe, what what happened, man? Well, how come you didn't do that with us? <laughs> like, come on, geez, put the puck in the net, bud. Um, but yeah, no, uh, more than happy uh, to hear that Jumbo's uh, doing well, at least over in Toronto. Maybe the team isn't doing quite so well, but um, you know, good for him. I'm happy to see him uh, thriving in a new environment. So, um, Aaron, where did you want to go from here? Are you still talking about game two? I think there was a uh, oh, oh, what real quick. Nizov. Everybody was telling me, no, it's Nizov. I said, hey, you could be wrong because it was just Kevin Kerr saying that or whoever it was. Shang Peng was saying Pasnichuk and I was saying it's Pashnuk. Guess what, folks? It's not Nizov. It's Knizhov. 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 It's, yeah. There's a whole lot of weird names and I'm learning them too. But uh, yeah, and unless you hear it from like Dan Ruzanowski or one of the announcers, I would. Uh, not not think that you maybe got the name correct. I was at least prefacing with it. I don't know if I've got this correct or not. But uh, anyway, Kanijov, uh, you thought he played really well today. He looks like an NHL player. Well, maybe not really well. He was a minus two for 10 minutes of ice time. But I thought he made some plays that um, that I was kind of impressed with. Uh, some of the loose puck plays, he was able to get there with a little bit more speed. But he's a bigger guy, so he's able to push him off. And um, I thought he did okay, but he's obviously going to have to clean that up. If he wants to get his minutes up, I don't want him to be that, like, like in game one, uh, he was paired up with Malosh, Malosh, Malak, Malosh, um, was it? Malosh. Malosh. Malosh had five minutes of time in game one, which is, that's not going to do it. Um, and he had 10, he had double that. He had double the amount of time. Um, but I, I thought um, I could see something there at least, you know, like I could see, Maybe he's not going to be there this year, but the building blocks are there. I think I think he could piece together and be a bottom bottom third pairing um, in the NHL. Like he seemed like he belonged, other than not boxing out some people in front. But that's just kind of the Sharks' mo. But they kind of need him to be that guy because they don't have any other ones that do that. So him and Middleton both they they had some turnovers in the back end, and um, yeah. you saw the puck get into their net right away. So. Again, I think this is stuff that's going to get cleaned up. Part of it is they haven't played in so long. It is kind of like preseason games. I mean, we know these count, but I think what you're going to see across the NHL, I mean, look, St. Louis lost 8 nothing. That's In a couple of weeks, that's not going to happen. You're not going to see that. So uh, players are going to settle down a little bit more, and the referees are going to sit down. How many penalties have you seen get called in the last two games, right? Kind of ticky-tacky stuff in a way, just like the regular season in a normal season. When it starts in October, you always see October, November, there's very heavy amounts of power plays. A lot of penalties are given out. Uh, the rest are trying to establish themselves and establish the play, and they want the players to know, okay, this is not okay to get away with. Um, and then as the season goes on, that kind of gets less and less. So in the first couple weeks, you're going to see probably this first month of January, you're going to see a lot of penalties being called. Um, there's like the one today on Kane on the hit on Ekman Larson. Um, I thought he just completely outmuscled Ekman Larson. He just kind of took a weird tumble. He hit his head right into the where the boards and the and the glass meet. So it was this edge that hit him right in the face, knocked his visor into his face. He was bleeding, so it seemed worse than it was. But um, I didn't think it was a penalty warranted on Kane. I thought he uh, that was a um, almost like a Joe Pavelski ish five minute major call. You know, like that shouldn't have been a five minute major, but he got hurt pretty bad. So and it was their captain, like arguably one of their better players. So uh, I don't know. I, it, it's kind of sloppy right now. 
I think it's overall you're seeing a lot of sloppiness. Um, but I, again, I think this is stuff that they can clean up. They're going to do a lot of video video work, and um, and I think they have a good team to do that with too, like a good team of coaches for video breakdown. They do a lot of that stuff. So Definitely, I'm not yeah. worried about it. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna clean up in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, Rocky Thompson, known for uh, you know coaching the younger guys, um, being the AHL coach there uh, for the Chicago Wolves, I think is what it was. But um, you know, uh, he's going to talk to these young guys and he's going to relate it to them in a way that they can understand. And it's going to take time. Again, somebody had mentioned earlier in the chat that you know it's kind of like looking at it like a preseason game. There's these are opportunities to learn. Um, again, the points do matter, but at least you're getting that opportunity to kind of understand what you're supposed to be doing properly and get the reps in outside of practice, you know? So it's too bad that the points do count and you have to learn while the points are counting. But again, this is a 10 month layoff for, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that were on the team and then a bunch of guys that haven't been on the team before who are just trying to learn this whole thing. You're asking a whole heck of a lot from uh, Kinejov and Middleton, especially as a pairing, because they're both not, not NHLers, uh, they're they're proving themselves right now, obviously, but uh, they're they're not established NHLers and they're partners. So I think it was one of the first shifts I saw. It was a, a bad pass, and then it was like a two on one going the other way, and you see him hustling back, and it was just like, okay, well that's that's what's going to happen. And you saw later on in the game that Kanijov was paired up with I think it was either Carlson or Burns, and then Middleton was paired up with either Carlson or Burns uh, for a shift or two here and there just to get their reps in. Um, so. You know, hopefully they do a much better job and they learn quickly. I'm really hoping that they do because you can't have Eric Carlson playing, you know, half the game and Brent Burns playing half the game and expect that they're not going to get tired. At some point during the season, they're going to get tired. So you do need to soak up some of those minutes with guys that you can rely on. And if Middleton is not that guy, you said Kanijov, you thought maybe uh, looked like an NHL uh, defenseman, you know, bottom six pairing guy. I, I don't know that I thought Middleton looked like a bottom six pairing uh, this game at least. So, um, you know, hopefully again, he learns and he learns fast. I see you shaking your head. Do you, is that you're disagreeing with me or are you shaking your head in agreement? Middleton. No, I'm shaking my head at Middleton. Like I'm agreeing with you. I just don't see Middleton as to me, he's going to be that forever journeyman seventh defenseman. That's almost too good for the AHL but not good enough for the NHL. He's just stuck in purgatory right there. So um, I feel bad for the guy too, because I feel like he didn't get too too good of a fair shake last year with the injuries. So I think this year's another year for him to prove it, and I just don't see it. I still don't see it. Still too early. It's only the second game. But I, I to me, I'd much rather see other players get some opportunities there. Yes, I'm, I'm also in that boat. I'm going to look at the comments real quick here. Noah Claxton says, sign Aaron and Paul to league minimum, take some face-offs for us. Um, yeah, that would never happen, uh, Noah. I'm worth way more than league minimum, so that's just not going <laughs> to I'll gladly take the league minimum. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, and then there was definitely another one here that I was uh, – oh, yeah, we still have one guy to try out for D. I want to see Pashnuk. Uh, yes, I also want to see Pashnuk. Um, I would love to see him get the opportunity. Quite frankly, I don't think that he's – really ready for it yet but if they think that he is i'd be more than happy with that that would be absolutely phenomenal and matt seems to agree with me yes on passionate awesome um let's see there was one other one that, oh yeah personally not expecting the d to be better if or when shimmick returns monday 
I think the D will be better with Schmidt back in the lineup because if you take a look at the uh, the guys that they have currently, the only two that we're talking about that maybe are having you know non NHLer moments. And I know there's some flack against you know our big guys. I get that, but in terms of experience, the two guys that we're talking about are the two rookies, right? Um, Middleton and Kanijov. You throw Schmidt in there, and one of those guys basically rides the pine. Um, you're automatically talking about a team that has much more experience on the blue line. So I don't know. I think if Shimmick does come back in, I think he is going to make an impact. Now his knee will be a factor, obviously, but if he's cleared to play, that means they think he's good enough on his knee to, to make an impact. Otherwise they wouldn't put him out there and, and risk that. Uh, and they would just stick with Middleton or whoever else the case, uh, you know, who else presents themselves. Now, one of the things I did like hearing was that they mixed up the lines in the practice this morning not to just kind of mix things up for the game, but to give the guys that were on the uh, the taxi squad and who had done really well in camp but didn't get to play in game one, give them the opportunity to get another look. And that's probably why Middleton got his start. I think in that practice he might have, you know, outshined a little bit, which is fine. So, um, you know, I, I like that the, the younger guys are going to get that opportunity if they deserve the opportunity. And I'm just not sure that Middleton is that guy right now. Hopefully he blossoms. That would be great. But if Schmidt does come back to the fold, uh, yes, I absolutely believe we'll be uh, better defensively. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, the good thing about Schmidt is that you could put him on that third pairing, so his knee isn't going to get worked so much, and he can get that strength back up. Um, maybe you know, start him off with 10, 12, 14 minutes a night rather than giving him twenty, twenty-two with Burns or something, so he can kind of work his way back into the lineup and work that knee and make sure that it's healthy and that he's ready to go. Um, that also automatically makes our bottom pairing uh, a more palatable play, if you will, so that they can, that's, that's a tongue twister, so that um, he gets a little bit, you know, um, gets a little more ice time than, let's say, uh, Middleton, or he probably wouldn't, Middleton would probably play with him, though, because Middleton's a right-handed shot, and they need that third right-handed shot. So um, I, I, it's tough to say. Do you like Malosh or Middleton better? So, right-handed shot, isn't he? It, regardless, I'm going to disagree with you right there. You don't need a right-handed shot because when you're playing the big two on right that many minutes, you're yeah. only sacrificing a right-handed shot for a handful of minutes a game. So I don't believe that you do. I think you play your best sixth guy, whoever that may be. And uh, if you need a right shot, you know who to go to. So we've seen Ferraro play on that right side last yeah. season for a little bit. So it's not like you couldn't do it. Absolutely. I'm sure he'd be like, uh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll play. <laughs> I'm going to uh, I'm gonna look at Matt once again here in the comments. Us fans put a lot of faith in Shimmick to fix the D last year, and that never happened. I don't think he's the savior, but the D should be better with him in the lineup. Uh, yes, we did put a lot of faith in him last year, and it didn't happen. He wasn't playing bottom six minutes. He was playing top four alongside Burns. So in a more limited capacity against lesser lines, we would say, in terms of those line matchups, right, I think, yeah, he would make a bigger impact uh, than last season trying to play top four where he maybe wasn't 100%. So if he comes back, even if he's not 100% and he's good enough and better than Middleton, I think he still makes an impact as the bottom pairing defenseman uh, not necessarily playing right next to Burns because I think Ferraro has earned that, and I think he should and would stick, uh, especially if um, you know if Shima can make that uh, that bottom pair 
a little more steady, I think, wouldn't be such a bad thing and help help them soak up a few more minutes knowing that he's back there to help out and give Eric Carlson and Brent Burns a little bit of time off of the game. Aaron, do you want to jump uh, past game two now? I think we're, we already kind of did, but uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about to kind of wrap that up before we jump into the upcoming games? Sure. What do you think about Rudolph Balsers coming back to the team? We didn't really talk about this offline, but he has, uh, we claimed him off of waivers, right? Yeah. So the, yeah. the Carlson trade is null and void, right? The, the, <laughs> the Carlson trade, uh, I don't know how any, anybody can complain about it now. We're getting pieces back, you know, for free. What do you do, want? Do you think uh, Balsers are going to crack the lineup? There's some questions in here saying uh, Balsers are claiming to make EK, EK65 look better. Um, where was the other one? Uh, someone else had talked about it too, about putting him in. I'm blank. I can't see it now. Oh, right above that. Where does Balsers fit in? Does he bump Nieto down to the fourth line? Does he fit in? That third line was kind of talked heavily in camp, during camp, like how well they were playing, but it hasn't translated into much in the games. It looked okay. They didn't look terrible, but I thought they were going to at least put a chip in a goal in one of these two games, and they didn't really do that. So maybe they'll change it up. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't see him going on the third line. Here's here's my thoughts on Balsers. Okay, um, if he was a guy, and I see something here, I'll put the glasses back on here. It says uh, Balsers was claimed to make it. No, that wasn't it. Balsers will be breathing down LeBanks' shoulders. No, uh, no, he will not because uh, Balsers was put on waivers by Ottawa. Okay, he was <laughs> he put, put on waivers by Ottawa. If he was somebody who was going to breathe down LeBanks' shoulders. They wouldn't have put him on waivers. So I don't think he's the guy that's going to step in and all of a sudden become the savior for like the, you know, he LeBanc is on the first line. He's not going to jump in and play first line minutes. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. He'd be lucky to be playing uh, fourth line minutes. If anything, he'll probably be on the taxi squad for a while. That's that's yeah. Balser's to me is that guy almost like another purgatory situation where he's kind of too small to be a third and fourth line, but he's not skilled enough or better enough to be on the top two lines. So where do you play a guy like that? Do you put him on the third line? You put him on the fourth line? It's kind of, it, it doesn't really work. So I feel like he's going to get stuck in the taxi squad or get sent down to the minors so he can get some AHL time. But I just don't see him being an NHLer that sticks, unfortunately. Well, you can't you can't put him back on waivers because he'll get claimed by somebody else, or you know, like someone else just said, Ottawa would reclaim him. Um, so yeah, he, he's he's on your team. Uh, he'll definitely be on the taxi squad. I do not see him stepping into a, a role uh, with the San Jose Sharks as it sits right now. I think they have enough guys that have already kind of started acclimating to the system, and I think they've got him uh, maybe beat out right now. But who knows? Again, could be a great surprise. So uh, if he uh, pops in and, uh, you know, learns the system really quickly and whatnot, yeah, sure, he might be breathing down somebody's shoulders. It ain't going to be LeBanc's shoulders, though. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but we'll keep an eye on that one, too. All right, are we done with, the, with that one? We want to talk about the upcoming games, or was there somebody else you wanted to call out in the uh, comments there? Um, let's just take Max and Mark off here. I was watching Ottawa. Josh Norris's performance is making the EK trade worse and worse. All right, let's do this hypo- hypothetical situation. Before we traded for Carlson, the Sharks were really l- trying to land Tavares hard. Do you remember that? Probably like a couple weeks beforehand, right? Sharks don't land him. Sharks are terrible. They're never going to do anything. You should fire Doug Wilson. 
Okay, let's say we never traded and got Carlson. Do you think the Sharks would have made it as far as they did to the Western Conference Finals that layer? Probably not. I don't think so. So then you have the argument of those same people saying, fire Doug Wilson because he's not doing anything in this team, and the team is just mediocre. You know, he took a chance. He took a chance, and Carlson's here for the long term. Um, I don't think he's that terrible. So, yeah, we gave up some assets, and good on Ottawa for kind of almost not fleecing. I wouldn't say they're fleeced the Sharks, but I'd say that they um, they had a lot of insurance options for getting rid of Carlson because there was so many conditional stuff that was involved with it. I think it was very well created by Ottawa, which is surprising because I didn't think Ottawa was that. And, and we've said this before. <laughs> Sorry, we, we, we've said this before. If if uh, Eric Carlson made the team so much worse that we you know would have had the third overall pick, okay, if we didn't get Carlson and we went with somebody else, anybody else, um, would those same people still be saying, well, we're such a bad team? And if we were, okay, fine, you might have a point about us having the third. But if we would have been better off without him, we wouldn't have had the third overall pick. We would have been much higher, in which case, right. no, we're still not getting Stutzel or however you say so, the guy's name. Matt F., there's a great comment here. Josh Norris had no place on our team on the Sharks because we weren't going to play him at the third-line center with Couture and Hurdle taking up one and two. Norris is better than either of them, so I still think the trade makes sense. It's just it's hard to see when the Sharks don't win a cup, right? Now And then Carlson signs this giant contract with the Sharks. He's going to have a giant magnifying glass on him at all times. Um, now imagine if Carlson signed for $7 million, $8 million. Would it hurt as much? Probably not. Would you be on him as much? Probably not. Would the Sharks have more cap space? Yes. Would they do anything with it? Who knows? Like I, it, It's it's too many, too many variables here. So it is what it is. Carlson's on the team, and we've already moved on. At least the Sharks have their first-round pick this year. So that's a good move. <laughs> I'm over it. I, I'm, I'm tired of going over this, like, <laughs> almost every show almost every show <laughs> every show it's on it's on twitter all the time it's on facebook all the, i'm almost ready to leave the facebook group honestly like it's I, it's oh. it's just too toxic and it's the same stuff yeah. all over and over again i'm i'm just i'm reading i don't even respond to it anymore because it's like what's the point um so yeah i think you're right you know hey it is what it is again for that guy uh if you wanted his services that's what he was going to cost and that's what we ended up paying so Regardless of what he gets paid, uh, you know, you just look to him to kind of help generate offense. And I thought for the most part, you know, he had some some really good moments uh, offensively. He had some really crisp passes uh, that some guys you – know, it happened last season where the puck was exploding off of their stick uh, because they just couldn't handle it. And that actually happened a couple times in this last game here. You saw a nice stretch pass from Carlson and it just kind of popped off the stick. So, um, you know, ho- hopefully those types of things get ironed out and they kind of can connect better as teammates and whatnot. And, you know, we'll see how it goes, but, you know, again, complaining about it's not really going to do anything. Unfortunately, he's, he's a part of the team and all you can do is hope that he's going to, uh, you know, gel better with some of the teammates. And I personally, I would like to see a little bit more uh, effort in the skating. Um, Not when he has the puck without the puck, I'd like to see a little bit more effort. There was one uh, instance where I was, Oh, there he is. He's on his horse. Now when he was, he was getting back to play defense uh, and he was really on his horse and hustling back and, um, he's pretty good with keeping his stick out and uh, kind of influencing with the stick. We've heard, I think it was Jamie Baker uh, say that many, many, many times uh, years ago uh, about just having your stick out in the lane and kind of influencing the play by having your stick in a lane. I think Eric Carlson's good with that. He's not going to be the physical force 
Uh, he's not going to be able to shut people out, but he certainly should be able to at least tie up a stick. So I like to see a little bit more effort uh, on his part there and maybe uh, just some harder skating. It seems like he's doing smaller pushes, little pushes, gliding, kind of standing around in front of the net. I noticed a lot. He stands around in front of the net defensively like uh, quite a bit, almost like he's waiting for the shot so that the goalie can make the save and then he, he can get the puck more easily and skate it out himself or just flip it out himself. Whatever. Like He doesn't want to have to do the work to go skate to it. He wants the puck to get to him, make have the goalie make the save, and then he just can walk away with it, you know. So um, just some little criticisms here and there. Um, I, I think he could definitely put in uh, a much better effort uh, when he doesn't have the puck. So uh, there's that. But enough harping on uh, Eric Carlson and some of the uh, the woes of the Sharks. We all know that this isn't going to be a season where we're uh, cup favorites, and that should be okay. We should be able to look at this and take it for what it is. And just enjoy watching some hockey after 10 months off, you know. So uh, there you go. In fact, we'll be watching more hockey Monday night at 5 p.m. against the St. Louis Blues in St. Louis. Now, this team is going to be a little ticked off, we'll say. Uh, they just got blown out. Uh, it was a Colorado 8 nothing the last game that they played. Um, they're they're going to come back with something to prove. The coach is going to stomp a mud hole. Uh, you know, so um, it's going to be one of those games where, gosh, you better come prepared because they're going to come out angry. Uh, what do you think about that game? I think it's going to be rough, and I think Devin Dubnik is going to be starting in goal. Um, what I was happy about tonight's game or today's game was that Dubnik got in the last almost the whole third period, most of the third period. Um, what's good for that is is he's kind of shaking off the rust and getting some game quality game time in. Because, um, again, the game speed is a lot different than practice, and Dubinick hasn't played in a while either. So uh, at least he shook off the rust in this game. So going into St. Louis, it won't be so uh, scary is not the right word, but you kind of get those butterflies, you know, you haven't played in so long. So uh, hopefully those are all gone. Now, nobody wants to play a team that just got beat 8 nothing, especially in this day and age, because all they're going to be doing from today and tomorrow until Monday it's watching tape of what they did wrong, what they need to do. That coach is going to hammer it into them that they're going to be super tight, super almost perfect, right? They're going to come out because if they're not, they're going to get chewed out. So this next game is going to be tough, and it's really going to be tough for Dubnik. I kind of feel bad for him going into that game because it's almost like they're set up to fail. Um, now, I'm not like I'm not going to say that the Sharks aren't going to win because you never know in hockey. Um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but it's just going to be a tough game. So... This game, they're playing on Monday and Wednesday, I believe, right? The second game is on Wednesday against them. Um, yeah, the second game is on Wednesday. I'd be happy with the split here. If they can win one of those games, and I don't care how bad they lose, lose one of those games, it's fine. If they can pull out more than two points, I'd be uh, extremely happy. If they got two points, I'd be happy. I'll say it that way. That makes sense? Yeah, no, 100%. I agree with you on that one. And that's kind of, uh, you know, in line with the expectations for the season. We're not expecting them to be Stanley Cup uh, finalists. So, um, you know, a, a win uh, in game two would be great if they're going to get stomped in game one. Um, but we'll see how that one goes uh, when we get there. But, you know, again, Devin Dubnik should, and I would, I can't imagine he won't uh, take the net. Not because, you know, Martin Jones got lit up and Martin Jones sucks or whatever. No, I, I honestly felt like, okay, either Dubnik's going to get game two uh, just because, or if he doesn't get game two, he'll definitely get game three because the entire time they were talking about we're going to need two goalies. We have two starting goalies in, in our minds, and that's what the coaching staff feels like. Uh, so there's really no reason not to go to Dubnik. And I think Kurz had said 
you know, we'll get to see Dubnik, and I'm going, well, I, I mean, I feel like we would have seen him anyway, regardless of the outcome. If Martin Jones got a shutout, I feel like we still would have gone with Devin Dubnik uh, for the first game against St. Louis. Not because they're a harder opponent, he's a better goalie, nothing like that. I just feel like he's the guy that they're saying is also kind of a number one, uh, in their eyes at least. They're going to give him the game. So, um, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's going to be tough on him because your first game you're going to have to go against, uh, you know, a team that won a Stanley Cup fairly recently uh, didn't change too, too much. Now they don't have Tarasenko in the lineup, I believe, if that's correct. Yeah, he's out for almost the most of the season. Okay, so they don't know Tarasenko, and maybe that contributed to that 8 nothing loss. But um, still, they're going to come out grinding hard. We all know how St. Louis can play. They're, they're that rough-and-tumble type of team. They don't mind getting a little dirty. So uh, it's going to be a rough one, and I think the younger guys are going to have their hands full. And maybe Evander Kane will have his hands full as well, having to be the uh, the enforcer out there, the, the snipe forcer, if you want to call him that. But, um, yeah, so I would say let's look ahead to the next game, but it's against the same opponent. We're going to be saying the same exact things. So kind of a, kind of interesting this season, Aaron. I like it. And I think Coach Hero was asked today or to, uh, after the game if he liked it, and he said he did like it. It's kind of like baseball where they're playing a series, but it's almost like a mini playoffs in a way because you see the same guys. Um, I also think it's way better for travel. I mean, you're getting two games out of the way without leaving anywhere. That's great. Um, I think guys will kind of play fresher in a way, even though they're going to have back-to-backs. It's a lot different when you're not traveling. Um, I mean, imagine they're doing back-to-backs where they would travel. They play a game, leave that night, and play the next day. That's that's rough, man. At least these back-to-backs coming up, I think at the end of February, they have a back-to-back every Friday, Saturday, until the rest of the season. Um, it's at the same spot. It's at the same place. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL maybe even looks into this and pulls their players. And Yeah, right. They don't care about their players. I, I, I It would be nice to see like maybe a little bit more of this. Um, I know it would be hard to do in the scheduling just because there's so many games and everybody wants to see every team come through. Um, I remember when the schedule came out and it was uh, a rotating of certain divisions from the Eastern Conference coming here, which was terrible because you'd only see Ovechkin or Crosby once every three years as opposed to seeing them every single year. At, at that time, this was over a decade ago when I had season tickets. I was, I was really disappointed because I wanted to go see those guys in person. Um, now, I mean, yeah, I'm a Sharks fan, but I, I am a hockey fan. I like to see the best of the best, especially when they come through town. So um, I don't think I don't think they'll be able to implement this in a way unless they up the number of division games, do a realignment some way. Maybe even they get rid of the divisions and they just do Western Conference, Eastern Conference stuff, which I wouldn't mind either. I'm not opposed to that. Um, I, I, yeah, maybe even get rid of it completely. I don't know. Let's get crazy, right? Okay. Now we're going off on tangents here. Well, uh, not really a tangent. I'm going to read Anthony Sanchez here. Blood on the ice on Monday. Yeah, I think Monday is going to be a dirty game. I think it's going to be dirty. Because if if St. Louis isn't going to start scoring goals, you know what they're going to do, right? They're just going to get dirty. Because they're going to want to do something. I mean, we talked to Jamie Baker about this when we had him on the show. You guys should check out that interview. He said when he was in a rut and a scoring rut, what did he do? He would run hills until he – not to get gross, but until he threw up, like he was just totally exhausted. And then he would outwork every single person. He would win every faceoff because he was like, if I'm not going to score, I'm going to do something. That's kind of where St. Louis is right now. So it's going to be a very, very tough and rumble game, I think. 
Well, hopefully um, that seems like the type of mentality that a guy like Bob Bugner, Rocky Thompson, John Madden, those guys would have would have had when they played. So hopefully that can kind of uh, you know percolate down to the rest of the team. Look, if you're not going to put the puck in the net or if you're not going to be uh, you know generating offense, you better be doing something defensively. And uh, hopefully they'll go over those finer points, uh, get those guys more up to speed. Again, it's going to take time. Uh, but, you know, I, I did see a comment not in our chat here. Uh, maybe Fin Factor fans are just a little bit brighter than the average duck. But uh, <laughs> I did see a comment, I think it was on Facebook or Twitter or something, that's saying Bob Boogner is part of the problem. I just do not agree with that whatsoever. I think we got to give them a little bit more time um, to, to, to learn the system better and uh, to, to put it more into practice again. This is a team that is kind of just meeting each other. A lot of the guys uh, don't really know each other that well. So uh, it, it'll be a while, I think. And there was another comment yesterday the more you know thank you uh there was another comment in here i was going to address and now i can't find it oh well i think it's um, just, uh, it's good practice to just stay off of facebook yes uh, absolutely oh here, here's the comment i was going to read andy man uh are you guys concerned with the apparent lack of trust in the third d pairing through two games they're averaging less than 10 minutes per game while 88 65 or 27 plus minutes 27 minus nine minutes respectively no. like we we talked about this a little bit already andy if you maybe you didn't uh, join at the beginning that's okay i'll bring this kind of up again i don't think it's so much uh, a, a lack of trust and confidence as it is just they want to ride their their stallions you know uh, you know, Eric Carlson and Brent Burns are kind of like the, the driving offensive force. And uh, they normally soak up a ton of minutes. So when you take those two guys, uh, this is why I was saying it doesn't really matter who you have on right D uh, as a third line pairing. He could be a left handed uh, defenseman because you're not you're only going to go through a handful of minutes uh, where that, that player is out there. So uh, I would I don't think it's something that's a lack of confidence necessarily. Having said that, yes, they're both, you know, Kinejov and Middleton do not have any or very little amount of NHL experience. So it certainly does make sense to kind of limit their ice time. Unfortunately, they are partnered together, and therefore it's hard to have a little bit, I, I guess just trust there, yes, or between the, the two of them together. Um, so I think it's a combination, you know, again, they're both very new to the NHL and you've got two guys, uh, that are going to soak up so many more minutes regardless that I think that is definitely a contributing factor to it. So, um, I, I don't know. It's kind of a little bit of an in-between, but I, I think it has less to do with a lack of trust and more to do with, they just uh, normally would ride Burns and Carlson anyway. So, uh, there's the answer on that one. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, this goes back to the question, the age old question of, why don't you move Burns to wing, right? Because you need a right winger. Why don't you do it? He used to be a winger. No, it just doesn't work that way. You want your best players on the ice. Uh, he's a defenseman. And defensemen play way more minutes because they're not skating as – it's a different kind of skating. It's a different kind of shape, which is another reason why they they won't move Burns back because he trains completely different to be a winger than he would be for a defenseman. It's a lot different skating, a lot different muscles, a lot different – focus on everything. So um, you want your best players on the ice. Case in point, Carlson and Burns are getting close to half an hour every night, half the game on the ice. Now, it's it's not because the other defensemen are poor or bad. I mean, sure, maybe a little bit of it, but you you want those guys on the ice at all times. I mean, I'm just looking at the ice time right now. In, the, in game one, which is a little skewed because they had a full five minutes of overtime, um, Carlson had 32 minutes, but he had four minutes and three seconds on the power play and another four minutes shorthanded. That's eight minutes of special teams play. 
You take that out from the 32, and that's 24 minutes of ice time. Five-on-five five ice time. You look at the other defenseman, uh, Kanijov had no minutes of power play time, so that's why his ice time's lower. Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> whatever. Fine, I'll get on with it. <laughs> Before he plays the thing, go ahead, get on with it. What do you want to say next? Uh, you just want your best players on the ice, and that's why they're playing set. I'm not worried about it. They're completely – they're professionals. They are in shape. They will be fine. Uh, if you're worried about them wearing down, I think they'll be fine. You know, one other thing here, again, Anthony Sanchez bringing up some good points this time around, Anthony. Uh, Paul and Aaron, don't forget about the D-Man Shark sign from New Jersey. I'm going to say it wrong. It was either Clayson or Clawson. Clawson, like the pickle? I think like the pickle, yeah. Clawson and pickles, match made in heaven. Um, no, so I, I think, uh, yeah, definitely. If he was one of those guys that uh, they were – I mean, look, if he was ready, if he was the better option, I'm sure they would have just gone with him, period, right? So uh, either they're giving these younger guys an opportunity early in the season or they're just, in terms of practice and time that they've had, uh, playing better than uh, Kloss and Pickles. <laughs> that's that's going to stick now. That's awesome. Pickles and Pickles. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I don't even care what you say. So um, even if I'm saying it wrong, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no, if, if, he was, uh, if he was the guy for the job, they would be playing him, I think. Um, again, maybe in the first couple games they're giving somebody else an opportunity, but I doubt that. I feel like they would just go with the guy. Because, again, points are points, uh, and points matter right now. So I think, uh, I think uh, he's having visa problems. I think that's why he's not really even oh. there. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. The trade deadline is going to be weird this year because, because of uh, COVID. They're going to have to – you get traded, I think you're going to have to isolate for two weeks, depending on where you're going. And how is that going to work for Canada players or Canada teams trading with U.S. teams? Maybe we just don't even see those kinds of trades going through. So I feel like the trade deadline this year is going to be a lot slower than a normal year. Well, maybe maybe you do see those trades, but those trades have the understanding of you don't get that player for two weeks. Or maybe you see more trades earlier than the deadline. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. All right. Top of the hour. Let's do a roll call. Tell us where you're watching from and what you want to see us do for our 100th episode, which is in two episodes from now. Love that. Uh, Matt F. saying, back with the dad jokes, did you expect anything less? Come on, Matt. We are two dads. Dads, yeah. <laughs> Get on with it just because I joined not actually meaning it. Ah, okay. He, he, he didn't mean it, Aaron. He didn't mean it. Don't take offense. Oh, because he just joined. Got it. <laughs> All right, very good. So, uh, yeah, on time, Lundy. Shouldn't it be pickles and kosher? Oh, I kind of like that one. That'd be a good nickname. Better than bread and butter. <laughs> Sydney, Australia. We got uh, Chris Sharp. Man, that's awesome, dude. What time is it there in in Sydney? It's tomorrow. It is tomorrow. Future. <laughs> He's living in the future. That's awesome. Hey, tell us if uh, if the Sharks win against the Blues, will you? Yeah, let us know tomorrow if the Sharks are going to beat them. <laughs> That's why I keep coming back, Matt says. Yes, the dad jokes. We'll try to increase our dad joke game for you. Okay, Matt? There you go. Uh, Everett, Prince Alberta. Nice. Holy smokes. NHL 21, 24-hour stream. No, Nick. It's not happening. <laughs> Nick HBK 150. Uh, Nick, of course, one of our uh, EA, uh, NHL or ESHL uh, players, phenomenal player, um, and uh, plays left D slash left wing. I say that because he usually jumps up from left D into left wing, and uh, I cover for him, so it's okay. Uh, he's, he's a phenomenal talent. 
Norris Trophy winning defenseman is his name. Unless he plays goalie, then he's a uh, Vesna Trophy winning goalie. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Anyway, cool, cool, cool. Oh, we got New Zealand. Uh, how about we talk about Wilson signing players to long-term contracts that take them over 35 years old? What's up with that? Why does he do it? I don't, that's a great question. Um, this was I saw this written up maybe a couple of weeks ago because for a long time he would not do it. He wouldn't sign players longer than three, maybe four-year terms. I kind of like that. I wish that it would only be three to four year terms because when you sign players seven, eight years, that's I think that's too long. The players kind of get stale. They they don't work. Not that they don't work as hard, but they kind of get complacent in a way because they feel like they can't go anywhere, especially when they have a no trade clause attached to it. So I think it's very odd that he had all of a sudden switched, like flipped the switch and started signing players to seven year deals. Um, I don't like it either. I, I I think the three year, three to four year deal is enough where um, first year you're kind of excited. The second year you kind of build on that. The third year you're kind of like, okay, I need to really get my butt in gear. And then that last year, that fourth year, you're kind of like, okay, it's a contract year. I need to really step up and do my thing. Otherwise I'm either out of this team or I'm playing for my next contract on another team. So I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of bizarre. It's kind of, not what he usually does, and now that it has become what he usually does. It, it's really bizarre. I don't understand it. I don't like it. What do you think? I think a lot of it has to do with if you don't sign that player for seven or eight years, he'll say, okay, I'll test somebody else. And uh, if you want that player, those are some of the things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to say, okay, fine, I'll give you the, the seven or eight years, or fine, I'll give you $11.5 million. Um, I think that's just kind of what comes with the territory. If you want that guy, then – and you're, you, you really do want them, then those are the types of things you're going to have to do to get them. So, um, you know, it does seem like he does that uh, quite a bit with some of those bigger names. But, again, it's because they are those bigger names. It's not like he's offering Stefan Nason seven, eight years. He's not – I mean, even Hurdle, his last contract wasn't seven, eight years, right? It was like five, I think. So uh, when, when he signed it, I mean to say. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to happen with the biggest of big names, I think, for the most part. Uh, when you see guys that are – kind of that middle grade, they're going to get that middle length. What I would like to see, quite frankly, is, I mean, the, the um, what was it, the the maximum amount of years, I think it was 12 or maybe there wasn't one, um, and Luongo got that 12-year contract, I think is what I'm thinking of. But um, I, I know it's eight now, and I really wish that would kind of get shrunk down even farther. Uh, for those reasons right there, I think it, it kind of makes it so difficult to sign a player who's saying, well, I want seven years or I want eight years. And if you don't give it to me, I know somebody else will. And I wish that it would be you know, a little bit shorter because eight years is such a long period of time. I mean, even down to like five. And you could make the, the free agency down to four, right? Like how right now it's at seven. You could just knock it down to four. I, I, I really wish they would do it that way. And I understand that, that the players maybe want it to be as long as humanly possible. And I get that. But gosh, to sign a guy for eight years – just because he's good now, even though like 30 years old, you're saying you, I have to pay you until you're 38. Like who's to say you're going to perform anywhere near the amount yeah. or uh, near as well as you do right now. So I would like to see that changed. Quite frankly, I would love to see the the time get knocked down on that one. Yeah. I mean, where you actually see the value in those kinds of long contracts is players like Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid, right? You send them for the maximum amount that you possibly can that year. Cause it's based on a percentage of the, salary cap for the team um all of a sudden in five six years assuming that the salary cap goes up every single year you're looking at a bargain but i think it's such a rare thing a rare 
a rare time that you'd use that because there's only a certain set of players. And I'd say maybe the top five players in the league that are young enough that you'd be able to sign them for that long and they wouldn't be over 35 years old. Um, so I don't really like it. I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I remember seeing after the LA Kings won their cups and they started signing these guys to super long contracts, you're like, oh, the writing's on the wall for this team because they're not going to be able to afford anyone. Well, it's kind of what the Sharks have done in the past couple years. And from the outside looking in, everyone's like, oh, yep, they're going to be screwed with the salary cap when it starts, you know, what the salary cap flattens out, which it did. Um, that's the only way they're going to be getting into trouble. So who knows what's going to happen uh, Having said that, and I don't want to get Anthony a, a shoe thrown at him because I'm about to say a comment from him too, but there could be some possibilities of ways that you could free up some of that cap coming up really soon. So uh, there we'll also is an expansion goes. draft coming up. So it, it'll be really interesting to see who the Sharks are going to protect or even if they are out of the playoffs by the time the trade deadline comes up, who they trade away. Yes, absolutely. Um, I got a comment here from Deuces Shoeless I want to highlight if that's all right. Uh, thoughts on Leonard, because I wanted to talk about him tonight. Been saying since last year that he was going to have an impact. I like his game a lot. I was kind of shocked going into, I guess, game one, that he was going to be on the second line and not the third line. But I think so far he looks like he fits in. Um, I thought that was going to be Donato's spot, and they switched him up a couple, what, a week ago, I think, the last week in camp or so. Um, and it's worked. And I think he is a great player, and I think he's going to be sticking with the team long term and i mean into the future in a couple of years he's going to be a second line guy that's going to be a good good hard-working score and again he kind of reminds me of pavelski but i think he skates a lot better than pavelski which isn't saying much because almost everybody skates better than pavelski uh not to knock on him he's just not a great skater but he's got that hockey iq that you can't really teach um and i feel like leonard kind of has that and let that be a lesson to anybody who says you have to be a fast skater to make it in the NHL. Joe Pavelski is doing just fine. He's not the best of skaters, but he uses the other talents that he has to the best of his ability and to the best of the teams. And at least while he was on the Sharks, the more you know, uh, the more uh, when he was on the Sharks, at least uh, he certainly uh, did that. So I want to highlight something else a little bit underneath the comment you just had there. Invite Sanchez from Patrick Brawl. Invite Sanchez to video in with his comments for the next episode. Apparently they're liking uh, Anthony Sanchez. I think maybe it's just uh, you know a way to shelter him from getting a shoe thrown at him. Uh, maybe uh, if he's on the stream and talking, that uh, a shoe won't go flying across the screen and hit him in the head because then we'd have video evidence. Uh, although Anthony nice does say I'd be cool with being on the show. Interesting. Uh, Matt F says do a shooting accuracy challenge for the hundredth. Whoever loses can't shave for the rest of the season. I'm sorry to say this, Aaron, but you would not be shaving for the rest of the season. I'm not the most accurate, but way I at least can shoot. Way more than me. Yes. I don't actually play hockey. I don't know if any, everyone knows that. I've never really played. You know, it would be interesting, though. We'll get a goalie uh, – I'm sorry, a soccer net, okay? You kick and we'll oh. aim for corners, and I'll shoot and we'll aim for corners. <laughs> I bet I could beat you on that. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting. Great. Yeah. You probably would because I'm, I'm not used to shooting at a, a goalie net. That's a little little. Do you outside. have any idea how hard you can shoot the puck? Do you, have you ever done it like on a radar machine or anything? Oh, no idea. Not not that fast for sure. What do you think? 50, 60? I'd be happy with like 60. Because I could – I've shot a soccer ball at 60 miles an hour. Really? That would be nice. Hey, hey, wait a minute, Matt. We might have something here, buddy. We might have something here. You know what I mean? Like, uh, 
you see how hard you can. Anyone got a radar gun? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That would be awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, get on with it. Yes, get on with. Get on with it. Yes, thank you, Super Producer Jason. Trade Burns for Braun. That has to be Lundy. Yep. Uh, Doug Wilson trying to prevent turning into the A's. And I don't know about baseball, so I'm going to skip that comment. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any other comments in here that you uh, you really, really like? Uh, Ooh, do you think we'll see uh, Melnichuk sooner rather than later? No. No. I think we'll see Dubnik sooner than later. I think they want to see what Dubnik can do. Um, the tandem of Dubnik and Jones for the year. So, and don't forget, like one of those guys, even Dubnik could be traded at the deadline. What if a team's goalie gets hurt or gets COVID and can't recover or something? Like, and they need another backup slash experienced goalie that could be a one A one B. Um, that that could be a realistic possibility. So. No, I don't think we'll see Melnichuk unless it gets towards the end of the season and the Sharks are way out of it. Then they'll probably want to see what they got or if one of those guys gets treated. Yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, they, they ride the the two that they have right now in, in Jones and Dubnik. And I think Melnichuk gets uh, some some quality time on the taxi squad, you know, being able to practice with the team and whatnot. But I don't think he's going to get a, a look just yet unless one of them absolutely falls apart. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Who knows? Uh, there's the sign of a couple guys who are absolutely fans of the show. Uh, Anthony Sanchez, do a smelling salt challenge for the 100th episode. Who faints, loses. That sounds terrible. <laughs> well, apparently, according to Sonic Tonic, that was amazing. And I'm guessing it would be amazing if we attempted that again. So, um, yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's not. I think I do have, have. I asked Jason, our super producer, to put this up i don't know if he did it but there's a picture i was gonna try and do a picture of me and paul from when we were kids on every show oh so yeah. i had another one here uh do you have it up jay or do you have it ready to go or not here we go there we go boom <laughs> look at that i think this was uh i think this was fourth grade because my teeth are so messed up and i think that was uh that was in fourth grade so there's Paul's semi bowl cut that's curled over, looks like a little bit, with those styling shirts. Look at those things. It's also in uh, that's in my parents' '80s Astro van. That was the brown Astro van. You remember that, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And it was actually at my grandparents' house. I could see that in the background. That's where it was. Who knows what we were doing there? But were we dressed up for church or something? I don't know. Something. Dude, we came from okay. somewhere. Because my hair was kind of done there. Not really. Well, he's got big teeth and he's got hair. There you yeah. go, folks. That's what you wanted. That's what you tuned in for. <laughs> Looking slick, Sonic Tonic. Thanks a lot with your sarcastic, you know what. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, fourth grade. We were roughly 10 years old. That would have been uh, like 91, 92. That's like right when the, the Sharks first started. Right around Excellent. there. Excellent. That's kind of what I was going for. Pictures around when the shark started. I'm going to say this right here. Guys, if you enjoyed the stream, uh, please do like, uh, obviously commenting, which is awesome. And we do appreciate all the comments because that's kind of what makes this show go uh, as we go later and later into it. We get to see what you guys think and hear your uh, your opinions and kind of address some of those thoughts and concerns. And it's, it's just fun for us and kind of keeps us on our toes with topics that we haven't thought about. 
Um, so we do appreciate you guys doing that. Um, obviously, if you guys are not subscribed, we don't put out content unless there's content to put out. We're not the, the type that just kind of keeps bombarding you with garbage, right? Um, so, and, and the people that were subscribed to us the entire time here uh, would know that over that 10 months of off, uh, off time, we really only did kind of a show here and there. We didn't bombard with a whole bunch of useless stuff. So, um, yeah, if, if you want to go ahead and subscribe to us, we would love to have you as part of the Fin Factor family. I'm going to coin that phrase. Um, <laughs> smash that like button. Thank you, Sonic Tonic. Yes, absolutely. Um, so don't break your keyboards, please. I don't want to be responsible for that one. It was Sonic who said it, not me. Um, so, yeah, no, again, thank you guys uh, so much for all the comments and whatnot. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you did like the stream and you want to support the show, help us uh, keep the LED ring lights on, uh, please feel free to head over to thefinfactor.com. We do have some very plush, nice shirts uh, in multiple sizes, multiple colors, as well as the hats, which have the uh, snapback. So it's kind of a one-size-fits-all unless you have a size 8 or above head. Somebody was saying that uh, it doesn't fit them. I think they have a hat extenders you can get, though. That'll help you out. There you go, Aaron. Got the gray going on. Very soft. It's super soft. I've washed mine a bunch of times, and it's still really soft. Mm -hmm. So in any case, if you do happen to pick up one of those shirts or hats or stickers even, please feel free to uh, share that with us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Go ahead and tag us so we see it. Uh, we would love to get a collection of pictures of people who have got our gear. We've already got uh, quite a few of them because – Folks have actually listened after they've bought the uh, the, the gear there and, and shot something back to us. So it was uh, really cool to see everybody kind of enjoying wearing the hats, wearing the shirts, putting stickers on their canteens or whatever it is. So, uh, again, if you do uh, would like to support the show, please feel free to pop over there. We didn't get any super chat tonight. That's okay. We appreciate it every time regardless. So uh, feel free to do that as well if you're uh, willing to shut out a couple bucks next stream. That would help us out as well. So, Aaron, anything else you want to cover, or are we all done here? Uh, Lundy asked for stoner garages. Yes, I am. Paul is I not. Am not. I'm in a true studio, my friend. It's Studio C. It's the the more you know. It's the room downstairs. That's all it is. The Stu Stu Studio. Totally. Uh, this is not a teal screen. This is a green screen. I'm giving you guys some. Uh, some tips. Get a green screen if you plan on doing some YouTube stuff. Okay. Uh, we all good then? All good. Very good. Guys, it was so much fun. Thanks again for all the comments. We look forward to seeing you the next time around, which again, Aaron, I think we're doing this after every two-game series. Right. So let's talk about that, our schedule. Uh, we're going to do a show. It's not going to be a regular night because what we're going to do is uh, after the second game of every series, we'll do a live. So most of them are going to be 9 o'clock at night unless the Sharks game's are going a little bit later then we'll go after the sharks game so uh be on the lookout after the second game of every series we will be doing a live show one thing i want to point out here ricky says set up an alternative people don't like giving google money okay um maybe we can look into doing like a patreon kind of thing or something is that something you guys would even be interested in uh feel free as the show is kind of ending if you put in the comments or, or the live chat or if you're watching this on replay, if you put in the comments down there, is that something you guys might be interested in? Um, we can maybe think of some ways doing some extra content for you guys. Uh, everybody wants Marshall back, apparently. I don't know for Aaron. Last time it was Aaron that uh, got bumped off the show, and everybody seemed pretty happy with it. So, uh, oh, Venmo, okay, thank. Yeah, so maybe we'll we'll uh, find some other way of um, 
allowing you guys, I guess, to contribute to the show without giving Google money, I suppose. I don't know. So uh, let us know if that's something you guys might be interested in. So uh, cash out. Great. Okay, we'll uh, we'll look into something. We'll talk to Super Producer Jason. And on that note, for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. We will see you guys. Uh, about a week. <laughs> Two games. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.